0: Welcome to the TIFF podcast, training in public health. I am Dino Motti, public health registrar in the West Midlands, United Kingdom. On this podcast, we explore what it means to work in public health through the professional life stories of individuals that have specialised in an area of this wide field of medical practice. Our guest today is Grazia Caleo, a medical doctor, and epidemiologist and a prominent Ebola response coordinator for MSF in Sierra Leone. The roots of her medical training lie deep in Italy, in Rome, where she specialised in public health, but the branches of her career are very much international. She is an LSHTM NEPIET alumnus. She has been a consultant for WHO, then worked in Paris, based at Epicentre. And now, although officially she is London-based, her work means that she spends much of her time on planes crisscrossing the globe to address and coordinate a response to the most important health and humanitarian crises. Welcome, Grazia. I have again broken the tradition of having guests introduce themselves, but with such a rich curriculum you needed help. Would you still like to introduce yourself briefly? Tell us what you are working on. And I hear you're also working on a PhD at the moment, is that so?
1: Hi Dino, thanks for inviting me to this podcast and glad to share my experience with other uh, professionals that they want to work on public health. So um, as you mentioned before, I I work in public health and uh, I am as well now doing a PhD at the London School. So um, uh, since MSF was deeply involved in the Ebola response in 2014 and uh, 2016, Then we thought that it was important to try to capitalize that experience to try to improve the response to future Ebola outbreaks. So as part of this uh, experience, the PhD is aiming to improve Ebola response, looking at some um, data that we gathered during the, uh, the outbreaks. So it's much uh, improving the epidemiological response, but as well the practice in public health.
0: So all that data you are you're putting to fruition in terms of translating it into into public health practice. Correct. Very interesting. And what made you decide to get into medicine initially, and then public health specifically?
1: Well, the decision about medicine is. Uh, Mainly when I was a child, I decided that uh, I couldn't stand any kind of injustice, so I thought that being a doctor was a good way to to help people that they were uh, fragile somehow. Mm-hmm. And then public health was something that came uh, later on, so um, I never considered to do public health as such. But when I was in uh, uh, in Africa for the first time, uh, working in a leprosy in in Eritrea, then I understood that it was important not to just to look at one individual or one patient but was much more uh, powerful to look at population level and trying to to look for solution for many people and not just for one so public health came like uh, some things that was uh, later on in my career as a medical doctor
0: in order to scale it and to to go at the root at the source of the problems rather than just firefight we, we share this motivation i think we both went into it for similar reasons and uh, Why did you choose then specifically international health and epidemiology
1: well um, as soon as i I did you know a few missions in africa then i understood not just the importance of looking at the public health aspect of uh, you know responding to emergency and as well to health needs but the importance of providing evidence to uh, address issue based on uh, you know research and good research so for me, epidemiology is just a tools that can provide us evidence on how we can improve policy and um, finally the health of thousands of people that they don't have much voice
0: in the world. And, and you chose uh, international health because, again, you you were more interested in, in the, the, the least, let's say, able to fend for themselves. Is that so?
1: Yeah, I think that. Uh, Travelling is as well a way to to see the world with different eyes and as well to discover who you are and who you want to become. So when I started this work in international health, I met amazing people coming from all over the world and as well inspiring me and my work. Okay.
0: And uh, you you said something before about CDC stop polio as Mm -hmm. part of uh, your experience and your motivation to... To get into international health tell us more about it
1: well basically stop a polio is um, an initiative to to try to stop uh, polio transmission in the world and um, the cdc support the implementation of a strategy to stop uh, polio circulation uh, with training a public health um, um, professional To be then deployed uh, in different countries in the world where polio is still circulating or where uh, polio is not anymore circulating thanks to the vaccination activities so uh, for stop polio was based in chad uh, and actually it was extremely fascinating to work with the minister of health and try to uh, together to, to build the capacity to reinforce vaccination activity uh, in remote place. So basically in Chad we were trying to uh, target um, uh, population that they were migrating, so they were mobile population. Uh, so we were trying to, to really cut, uh, reach people that they were moving, so children that they were less um, reachable by uh, hospital or uh, other health structure.
0: Fascinating. And instead, tell us more about your experience with EPIET. How how does it work? Many of us have heard of it. And what did you learn during this programme?
1: Well, EPIET is um, a platform, a European platform, trying to training uh, epidemiologists across Europe uh, in order to create a network of epidemiologists that they speak different language, they have a a common understanding on what is public health, common tools, for example, skills in epidemiology. So for me has been a really an, an, an important step in my career to go then out from uh, from my career from uh, the Italian uh, pathway. So basically, uh, I, from Italy, I learned that uh, we are part of a community. So the European community, where we, uh, in a way, we share a, a similar dream, and at the same time, we share similar public health issues. So we need a community that we are able to, uh, let's say, to to be trained in a similar way. To be professional as well, have a common ground to you know to work together. So I think it's the spirit of Europe somehow. Uh, the EPIA uh,
0: training and the EPIA training places you in different countries, so you must have been. Uh, were you in Sweden, for example? Uh,
1: basically, we are, they select from each country. They select candid- the candidate that they represent that country in another country, Europe. So I was selected in Italy, and then I was matched uh, to be based in Paris, in Episcand. Yes. So and then they match uh, different candidates in different countries. Although now there is as well a, a project, a program where they training people in the same country, although they belong to the EPIET training to reinforce local capacity.
0: Okay, fantastic. And uh, you you are a proper European citizen. So you came to the UK to contribute to the scientific community, as you said. But the influence of your activities spread across the globe. So how did Brexit affect your state of mind and your identity? Have there been any effects on your collaborations, on your work, on your career planning?
1: Well, I think uh, to know that the country where i chose to be because it was a country that allowed me to uh, to be exposed to different culture to be exposed to different uh, opinion uh, way of of seeing life uh, and as well language accent is to me something that i always value as something, things are not value to be part of a larger community so the fact that a country like UK that I think has a long tradition and um, decided to step down instead of going further, don't be part of a community, and, uh, and don't maybe understanding that this community is needed for the peace of Europe, then uh, I felt like betrayed somehow, because I felt that the value that moved me to to come here, they are the same value that people are questioning now. So. Um, I think, yeah, so basically it's a, it's a step down, it's not a step
0: forward. Very well said. And the name of your organisation, Doctors Without Borders in English, is in itself a motto and a commitment to ignore borders and nationalities to bring humanitarian and health relief to population in crisis. How do you feel when the international community and Western nations these days are debating on the need to set up more borders and more barriers to keep refugees away from our shores?
1: Well it's a complex uh, subject. I'm not, uh, not advocating for no borders, but I am advocating for borders that uh, respect the dignity and the life of people. So for sure we are part of a world, so we share the same land. We have to have a common understanding of which are the needs of people. People move because they are losing the land, because there are conflict, So, because there is no much hope in some place where I have been. So I do, I do understand why people they move. So we have to, to try to work all together to, um, to take down the barrier that the people they face in their country to don't have, uh, you know, dignity and uh, hope. And at the same time, we have to give hope to people that they lost their land or they are in conflict area. So we cannot turn back people that they are suffering from conflict, for example.
0: And should public health be the, the, the language that we speak when we deal with these issues in mind?
1: Well, health, uh, as defined by WHO, is not just uh, uh, you know your uh, you know your body or the you know the lack of uh, you know physical infirmity or disease. is an equilibrium. So, is a social is part of uh, you know the social status, your mental status. So, for sure, public health has some duty and uh, you know an obligation to you know, to, to participate to this restoration of uh, dignity and to fight social injustice. So I think the work of a doctor without borders is not just, you know, looking at the health need of a population, but to respond at, uh, a humanitarian needs and try really to focus on the human aspect of a person.
0: Thank you. International public health may be an overly romanticized career. Tell us what's the true life of an MSF epidemiologist day to day.
1: So um, uh, it's a mix, I guess. You know, it's not really. Uh, it's difficult to define. You know what is uh, what is being in the middle of uh, nowhere in Africa and uh, at the same time, you know, try to to do public health for uh, in a very remote place. For example, um, I was, you know, in Niger responding to a huge um, malnutrition emergency. So so basically it's true that there is a romantic aspect in terms that you will found yourself in the middle of a beautiful scenario in terms of nature, uh, human uh, relationship with people. At the same time, it's as well a very tough and uh, demanding life because it's so that when there is an emergency, you have to put on hold your life, uh, your personal life, uh, your other commitment to respond. So um, it's fascinating, it's true, but demand as well a huge commitment and as well a huge sense of responsibility from people.
0: And specifically, have you ever found yourself, especially when in conflict areas, in situations when you were uncomfortable, and how did you deal with it?
1: Um, I think mm, uncomfortable. Uh, I think the Italian side always helps, you know, to to in a way to adjust and to be flexible. So I think that uh, the, my Italian uh, side helps me quite a lot in a number of situations. Uh, at the same time, I guess the, the few times where I felt uh, in danger maybe was in Haiti after the quake. Because of course the quake was was an important quake, and we were in uh, sometimes you know in in a place where still we had some quake, some wave of the quake, so we we were in danger. So, but at the same time, uh, that experience helped us well to understand uh, the fear of the local population, so to feel as well more close uh, to them.
0: And more specifically on the Ebola epidemic in Sierra Leone. Could you tell us through your own eyes, what did you find? What did you learn?
1: Well, the Ebola outbreak, um, I mean, I have been in the, in the last outbreak in DRC um, uh, last month. So, and then I noticed that each outbreak is unique somehow. although is the same uh, disease. Um, then you f- you will uh, face different population, different culture, uh, different ability, different coping strategies of people. For sure, Sierra Leone um, people they were facing um, an enormous distress of uh, losing their uh, you know loved ones, and th- several errors were made you know from different sides. So I think what we learned that was important, extremely important proximity to the community. So make sure that the families they knew where uh, patients they were isolated, why they were isolated, and the possible outcomes it was extremely important for me to understand why people they were having some difficulties to uh, to be compliant with some uh, you know in, um, in intervention. So I think dialogue, understanding local culture, how we can improve the response, how we can make sure that those, you know, intervention, for example, barriers or, for example, isolation of patients should be as much as possible humanized and respecting local culture without putting people at risk.
0: And would you recommend a placement uh, within international organizations as part of training for a public health registrar? Um,
1: I think so, because... uh, um, you know, public health, as you said, is not just uh, related to our country or our, you know, region or uh, city, you know, so more you are exposed to different, uh, you know, as well disease or approach, more you learn how you could adapt those approach as well to your local, your local contest and how your experience in your local contest can be an add value somewhere else. So goes in both ways. So you, you,
0: you would advise, you would recommend yeah. to, to spend some time with an international organization. And is there a particular assignment that uh, you would like to talk about because it gave you important lessons for your profession?
1: We are several. <laughs> um, so each mission is unique, I guess, uh, you know, working in a slum in Bangladesh offer you uh, you know a different scenario from working on equatorial equatorial forest in drc or working for example in zambia for cholera so i can't say which is my favorite ones or with change because each experience changed who i am and as well somehow inspired me on what i would like to improve or which project we should focus more you know for the future
0: but is is there a story or something that you want to tell us? That an anecdote of one of these missions that you find, uh, that you carry mm-hmm. with you, and you you you, you, you treasure?
1: I think uh, maybe um, in Sierra Leone during the Ebola outbreaks. So we were running uh, one of the the first the first um, Ebola treatment center in Kay So we started to isolate a number of children. So it was very difficult for us to be uh, always present to provide the care to children inside the treatment center. So, and then we found out that one child that it was a bit older compared to the other children, she started to look after other children without, uh, uh, you know, that we were advising her to do it. So um, it was amazing, you know, because she was among the few children that survived she came out of the treatment center and the first question that uh, she asked me was okay i am fine i will go home where actually nobody was who survived to from her family so she was the only survive among her families and she said okay i'm going home. i am fine i'm happy that i am alive but what about the other children who will look after them now that uh, i am going out so um, for me you know uh, it was, you know, a huge, a huge uh, example of, you know, how, as well, a little child had, had this innate sense of duty, and uh, about all children, despite going through a, ve- a terrible moment.
0: So you had a very young public health trainee.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and she was very good, you know, to make sure that all the other children were washing their hands and maintaining distance or, you know, she was bra- more brave than many others, uh, uh, adults inside the treatment center.
0: <laughs> and what do you suggest are the qualities of a person wanting to start a career in international public health like you?
1: I think it's important to be flexible and as well to be ready to learn other language, maybe not in a perfect way (laughs) like me, but okay to be really uh, open mind in the sense that you need to adjust your culture to the culture of others. Uh, and as well to maybe to leave your home for a long period or to, uh, I don't know, have a shower with uh, a bucket of, of water or, you know, or, um, you will discover, you know, that uh, you need less than what you, you really have at home.
0: I hear that you host public health registrars in your MSF London offices. This should be a national treasure, in my opinion. But how can one apply to spend some time with your team?
1: So basically, MSF as an uh, MSF UK has an agreement uh, with, uh, with the register programme. So we usually host two registers per year. Uh, they go through a selection process of register that they are interested, particularly to uh, public health in, uh, you know, abroad and particularly to the work of MSF. So we had a few registers over the last um, uh, year that I have been here in MSF, so at least four. Uh, some of them, they are now, you know, they finish their, their training and they are working for us as, a, you know, permanent staff. So and they, they helped us, you know, to move in some project or uh, they have been deployed in the field during the ball outbreaks, for example, or other projects where they do have skills or particular knowledge that they can help, you know, uh, our project in the field.
0: Fantastic. And uh, otherwise, in which baskets would you recommend the registrar in the training put their eggs these days to make it in international public health as a career? Should we spread our bets or instead should we focus and specialize?
1: I think both, basically. I think it's important that people have specific skills uh, that you know, can be used you know, to really, for example, epidemiology that helps you to, provide, you know, to generate uh, evidence-based uh, projects. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's important to, be, uh, to have you know, a, a wide background because you may go in a place and you need to, to have an, uh, an overview of which are the possible interventions. If you don't have this wide background, you may end up to always see the same solution, the same problem.
0: And as we ask all of our guests on the podcast, where would you advise the registrar spend their study budgets? What events, conferences or activities do you recommend?
1: Well, there are as well events without budget in the sense they don't need money. So um, they could come, for example, at the Scientific Day of MSF. We hold every year uh, two days. One day is uh, innovation, where we present all the innovation that are um, designed for the field. Uh, or uh, the day, the following day, is the day where we present all uh, our um, scientific operational research uh, project. So I think maybe it's a good uh, venue for to be exposed to the, pro- the public health uh, project that MSF uh, run.
0: and all of this information is on your website Correct. the dates and, and one can sign up and, yeah. and participate and you say it doesn't cost anything
1: no excellent I mean in case you are not visiting London yes you need to travel to London <laughs> of course
0: of course uh, we have reached the end of this episode is there anything else that you would like to say as a close to our guests to our <laughs> listeners <laughs>
1: Well, um, I think yeah, that public health should be seen as a, really a speciality that can be used to fight you know as well uh, to be part of a larger community so can give you huge opportunities as a you know member of a community so but at the same time I think it's important to don't see it just, Uh, you know as a a speciality uh, that doesn't have any more a medical component I think you you are still a doctor if you are a doctor and you you still remind yourself that as a doctor you should think that people in front of you are possible patients that you want to prevent uh, to be sick or you want to make sure that if they are sick they have the best uh, uh, you know way to go
0: absolutely and thank you for your time on the podcast and thank you for all to all of our listeners and uh, goodbye thank you